You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast, how to package your expertise, create a profitable online business, and make an impact with Maya Elias. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. As I always am, I'm excited for you to be here, for you to have taken the time to invest in your mindset, in your habits, in your personal finance and life journey, because that's what you're doing when you listen to this podcast. Now, this week's guest, as I always am excited, I'm excited to talk to, we have Maya Elias on the program. So Maya Elias is a personal branding strategist that teaches experts how to position themselves as the go-to authority in their industry so that they can confidently launch their signature offer. She's helped hundreds of students and clients get clear on their message, increase their prices, and have successful launches. And I will talk more about Maya. You'll hear in our conversation how she herself transitioned from making a couple thousand dollars back in 2008 to now having a million dollar business. And you'll hear like she's very clear on what it takes to have an impact. And I love bringing you information that can help you evolve with your life and finances. And most likely you have a gift, you have an expertise or talent that you're just sitting on and that someone needs in this world. Someone needs you to create an offer, a coaching program or a service to help them get to learn what you know or get them further along. And so this, this is something that you're interested in. I definitely think, you know, take notes, make sure you're listening intently on this episode. The other thing that Maya talks about here is she has a live program called Impact Weekend Live. So that happens in the beginning of February. So if you want to check this out, if you want to attend her event, journeyers are going to get 20% off if you go to impactweekendlive.com. Enter the code JOURNEY, all lowercase at checkout. You'll get 20% off. Perfect time if you are looking to launch an offer or get more confident, get skills to be able to make money online and to package your skills and expertise into an offer. So once again, you can go to impactweekendlive.com, enter the code JOURNEY, all lowercase if you're interested in attending Maya's Impact Weekend Live that happens in February of next year. So depending on when you listen to this, February 2022. Oh, and how funny is this? Literally, I call Maya, Maya Licious. <laughs> like she literally says on her Twitter, like it's Maya Elias, not Maya Licious. And for some reason, I call her Maya Licious anyway, but she was a really good sport about it. She laughed. You'll hear it when we start talking. But I thought it was funny. She thought it was funny too, I think. And um, just, you know, look, this is Jamila's brain. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But again, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Maya. Journey to Launch is supported by First Republic Bank. With a best-in-class banking app that allows you to bank anywhere, anytime, and a dedicated personal banker when you need one-on-one service, First Republic is uniquely positioned to offer the best of both worlds. With this combination of personal attention and convenience, 
it's no wonder that First Republic Bank has a client satisfaction rating two times the industry average. As a busy mom and entrepreneur, having convenient, flexible, and personalized service for my banking needs are important, which is why I have an account with First Republic. So whether you're starting on your financial journey or planning for your future, you can count on First Republic to be there for you every step of the way. Visit firstrepublic.com today to learn more. That's firstrepublic.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, go to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode. In the show notes, you'll get the transcribed version of the conversation, the links that we mentioned, and so much more. Also, whether you are an OG journeyer or brand new to the podcast, I've created a free jumpstart guide to help you on your financial freedom journey. It includes the top episodes to listen to, stages to go through to reach financial freedom, resources, and so much more. You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart to get your guide right now. Okay, let's hop into the episode. Okay, journeyers, I'm really excited to have this week's guest. It's Maya Elias, aka Mylicious. Hi, Maya. Hey, thank you so much for having me. No problem. And listen, I, I'm hoping I can call you Mylicious. I just see that you refer to yourself as that sometimes. So, and <laughs> I love that for people who kind of know who you are, they'll get this joke. But for people who are going to learn more about you, it'll all make sense towards the end of this interview. So Maya, welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. Thank you. And for the record, I 1 million percent do not refer to myself as Mylicious. I don't know where I saw that then. <laughs> Someone said it to you, someone online. Yes, people like have said it. So on my Twitter, like my name on there is Maya Elias. And in parentheses, <laughs> it says not Mylicious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. My bad. All right. So <laughs> Maya, okay. Here's one of the reasons. I mean, there's so many reasons to have Maya on this show. Part of it, I just love Maya, your ascent in earning money and becoming a full-fledged like businesswoman online. So people who followed you for a while kind of know this story, but I want to um, help people to get introduced to you, realize like how far you've come and who you are. So can you just like explain what it is that you do? And then we'll go back and start from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So what I do now is I'm a personal branding strategist and I am the CEO of Built to Impact, which is a coaching company for female entrepreneurs who want to master their message and build their own service-based or coaching-based company and take it to six figures. So our specialty is really extracting the genius from our clients and helping them package up their genius into a high-end offer. The majority of our clients launch coaching programs or some of them launch done for you services. So that might be like videography, um, agency style. And yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. And I think for me, what is pretty cool about what you do is that you work with people to help, like you said, pull out kind of like this expertise that they have and help them to monetize it in a way that like is really monetizing and getting paid what they're worth. And I, I know that is necessary because with people, the journeyers, people who listen to this podcast, some of them are working full-time in jobs that they don't ex- absolutely love. And they have a skill set that can be utilized and leveraged for their journey to financial freedom. And sometimes they just don't know how to do that. And so I think it's cool that, you know, you have people who help people create courses and then like you're more geared towards like coaching programs. 
But I think it's just so necessary to kind of like bring light to what this process looks like for people, because guaranteed, if you're listening to this, you have something that will be helpful to others that people will pay you for that will then allow you to reach your life goals. And so Maya helps you do that. But before we get to kind of more on that, I want to like talk about your journey to being an entrepreneur that you are, because I read that when you first started in 2008, you were making between one, like a thousand to $10,000 a year between 2008 to 2012. And now you're like running a million dollar business. So can we talk about like that journey to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you're absolutely correct. When I first started out 2008, I was making MySpace pages in college And I was essentially making like $35 per MySpace paid, $50 on the high end. And it's so funny because like back then to me, like getting paid $55 for a MySpace page was premium. Like I considered $55 to be my premium package, which makes me just crack up laughing because I'm like, there's nothing premium about a $50 bill. But (laughs) it was so much money to me back then because I was 18 years old. I'm in college. I have no bills. I'm living with my parents. So that is money to me. Like I could make $50 stretch for the week. So yeah, I started out making MySpace pages and then transitioned into doing websites and helping people with their overall branding, creating their graphics. Um, I was shooting club photography. I was creating club flyers. I was doing logos, business cards, essentially anything that I could design or edit inside of Photoshop, I was doing as a freelancer. So from 2008 to 2012, I was making between like $1,000 to $10,000 a year. And then I eventually transitioned into going full-time. So I dropped out of college in 2013, which was one of the scariest decisions of my life, but I made it. And thank God that I did. I always say like the scariest decision is always our most transformational or our most pivotal decision. And so I went full-time as a freelancer. And from 2013 to 2016, I made about maybe 15,000 to $80,000 a year, just rapidly growing. Like if you guys see my numbers, like I'm usually doubling every year, which is insane to even look at. Um, But I became a full-time freelancer. And the real difference between what I was doing as a part-timer and a full-timer is I started to increase my rates. I started to really understand how to articulate my value and then package up my offerings. So as a part-timer, I was doing a lot of a la carte. Like you can get one logo, you can get one business card. And then as a full-timer, I had packages like, okay, get this branding package where you get your logo and business card and landing page. And I really started to make money more consistently then. I really thought I was like the ish. I'm like, okay, I'm out here. I'm making money, money. I'm proving my parents wrong that I can drop out of college and be successful. And then um, from 2017 to 2019, this is when I really started to leverage my expertise in the branding space. So People had seen me blogging. People had seen me making websites. They seen me transform other people's brands. And then now people wanted to learn from me as an expert. They wanted to see me speak. They wanted me to host workshops. They wanted um, to sign up for my own courses and memberships. And so leveraging my expertise um, more in from 2017 to 2019 is what helped me go from just a full-time freelancer to a six-figure expert. And this is when I started making $100,000 a year and more. And that was just such a fun time because this is 
I was really leveraging live video during this time. I was leveraging doing live events during this time. And I really just got to show up as an expert. And then finally in 2020 is when I hit seven figures with my company built to impact. And it was actually just kind of mind blowing because in 2019, we did $330,000, $331,000. And then in 2020, we did about $1.1 million. So that has been the journey from thinking $55 was premium with MySpace pages to now running a, we're about to be at $2 million probably within like the next week or so. Wow, that's amazing. And I want to take it back a bit to when you dropped out of college, because I know you're African, right? So I would assume, (laughs) and you kind of mentioned it, like you were trying to prove your parents wrong. I'm sure that did not go over well, because like, what is it that you're doing? Like, what is it that we come to this country for, for you to do, right? Like, I know that I would have got that um, from my mom. But I feel like, how did you know, right? Despite what was the influences around you, And like from the people that you love the most telling you and looking at you like you were crazy, how did you know that it was time to quit college and do this? Oh my gosh. I knew because I had been battling with this decision for like years. I feel like I probably knew in 2011. um, So around this time when I'm 21 years old, I probably knew in 2011, but I was way too scared. Like I did not have the guts to be able to tell my parents I'm going to drop out of school. Like, girl, are you absolutely insane? Have you lost it? So I definitely did not have the guts. But then I think it was kind of like year after year, just having this feeling of like, man, I feel so uncomfortable at school. Like I'm not paying attention. I wasn't doing well. My grades were not that good. I was just not performing well in school. And my mind was always on what I wanted to do for my business. And I remember... Um, my boyfriend at the time, we lived together and it was really hard for me to sleep. It was really hard for me to focus. And he was like, I think you're, you're dealing with depression a little bit. And I had no inkling of really like anything with mental health besides just like the negative stigma of it. So I'm like, oh, really? Is that what depression looks like? Is this what anxiety looks like? And so, you know, I realized like Mm -hmm. I was dealing with a lot of anxiety, trying to be in one part of my life to please my parents, but when I really wanted to be in another part of my life to please myself. So that was one of the toughest things that I dealt with. I'm 100% a recovering people pleaser and making sure that I had my parents' approval was a top priority for me, um, but it definitely caused a lot of stress. Yeah. Did you have college loans at the time that you were in college? I had a little bit of college loans I don't even remember. I I mean, my parents kind of paid for it, uh, but I did have some in my name. By the time I graduated, I think I maybe was in $12,000 in debt, like nothing serious. Thank God. Okay. Well, I'm asking that just because I know like it's that sunken cost fallacy that when you're kind of like in it, you're feeling like, well, I kind of already have this debt and these expectations. I might as well just stick it out. And I know for a fact, a lot of people have just gritted their teeth and got through it that way or are currently doing something. Maybe it's not college, maybe it's a job or even a business that you're just doing because that's the expectation. And you think you put so much already into it. Maybe you're in debt because of it, but it's like literally it's time to stop. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We do this with relationships and like, 
yeah, yeah, it's like you're in debt debt with your relationship, sis. Like you're going backwards as a result of this relationship. And it's like, that's a word. Like sometimes we go even deeper in debt with something because we refuse to let go. And it's like, well, the sooner you let go, the sooner you can recover from it and get the ROI and learn what you need to learn. So I feel you on that 100%. Yeah. Okay. So as I'm like looking at you going through or listening to you talk through how you pivoted and transitioned to make more money, I'm wondering how you knew that like coaching would be it because I'm sure that you had other avenues to go into like being in the online space and kind of having a bird's eye view because you could have made like a lot of money still in branding, like branding for other people. You could have made money maybe possibly doing um, more influencer work, right? Or brand partnerships but you stuck stuck with coaching. What made you? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, and I think about impact when I think about knowing what my lane is, so to speak, because I do feel like you can monetize anything. You can make a million dollars doing whatever it is that you want, as long as you have the focus and the dedication and the discipline. But I think for me, I knew my impact was in coaching because when I was a designer, I recognized a gap between what I was doing and what my clients needed. And so when I was a designer, I was building their website, even taking some of their photos, essentially making them look good online, but they weren't monetizing in the way that they wanted to monetize because they didn't understand their brand message. They weren't really good at coming up with the copy to go on their website. They didn't really know how to master their content in a way that would connect with people to get them to buy. And so when I was helping my clients, a lot of times they would be like, hey, can we hop on the phone? Like, I need help coming up with this copy. I don't know what to say on my website. And for those of you who are web designers, you know that it's not your responsibility at all to create copy for your client. And so people were coming to me essentially expecting me to help them with their content, expect me to help them with their messaging and the copy, you know, the words that go on their website. And I'm like, if people are going to be asking me for this, I'm going to be charging for it because what I'm not going to do is extra work for free. And so that's Mm -hmm. when I started essentially coaching. I was coaching people on what needs to go on their website if they wanted to hire me as a web designer. So I went in that direction because that's where the need was for my existing audience. So I just tell people, if you're trying to figure out what to do, figure out where you create the most impact. When I only knew design, my highest level of impact was design. When I learned messaging and a sales copy, then my next level of impact was helping my clients with messaging and sales copy. So you have to ask yourself, what is my next level of impact based on what my audience needs? Right. And I'm assuming too, what you want to do, because you obviously enjoy interacting with people. <laughs> I think about like me, like, honestly, when I think about how I want to grow my business, like, I don't know how much of it involves like the personal side of coaching. And it's just not something I right now enjoy doing. And so I'm like, okay, I, I prefer to make money in other ways, right? And so I think for some people too, it's like, well, I'm good at this and maybe it will make an impact, but I actually don't want to or enjoy doing it. Like, how would you want someone to think through that? Absolutely. Yes. You need to actually enjoy wanting to do it. So I do 
you know, I have people think about three things when they're thinking about pivoting or changing lanes. The first thing is, does this bring me enjoyment? Is this fulfilling for me? The second thing is, does this create impact? Does it transform somebody else's life or business or family finances, whatever? Is it making an impact? And then the third thing is, can I actually make money from it? So those are the three things that I think about when I'm thinking of pivoting or creating a new offer. Is it fulfilling? Is it profitable? Is it impactful? Mm, right, right. No, th- those are good um, questions that someone can ask themselves. And you know, I'm curious, as you started to make more money, do you look back at the times when you weren't making as much and thought things were more simpler back then? Like, you know, maybe my life was okay. Not that it's not okay now, but I'm wondering as you risen to new heights and you still have ambitions to make more money. And as we know, as I know for sure, like new level, new devil, kind of like you faced with new challenges. Like if you look back and say, well, when I was actually earning six figures, like that wasn't so bad as I thought when it was you in that moment. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. First of all, all the money was mine. Well, I got to say the money was mine and for the IRS. And that was a tough lesson also that I needed to learn. (laughs) When I actually started making money, I'm like, what is this tax bill? (laughs) Um, But yeah, back then it was kind of like, it was just me and maybe like a couple contractors that would be helping me. But it was like, I didn't really have to be a great leader, you know, to hire a contractor to set up a landing page. But now there's a different level of responsibility that I have to lead my team. I have so many more clients. So there's a different level of responsibility to show up for my clients. And yeah, there's a lot more that I have to consider at this level. Whereas back then, like that $5,000 a month range was like such a fun time where there, there was not a lot to consider as there is now. Yeah. And I I guess I'm I'm saying that because I know there's someone like listening that maybe is at that stage if they are entrepreneur or even if they're just working a nine to five and like they haven't maybe gone up the ranks yet to where they want to go. And they're thinking that their stage, their station is like, man, I want, I want more. I want more. And I don't think that it's wrong to want more, you know, but I do think that there is a benefit with where you are, if you can appreciate like, yeah, when you get that more, you're going you're gonna to have to be prepared for that because it's also not just going to be easy then either. Yeah, 1 million percent. You said a word there with the preparation. Um, it's like the mental preparation, the spiritual preparation. Like a lot of times we think about like, oh, what do I need in terms of the operational structure? What do I need in terms of like the team or do I have the right system set up? But it's like, the mental and the spiritual capacity that you need to continue scaling your company is something that you might not even be able to imagine until you get there. So yeah, enjoy your season. You have to find that balance. I say like one of the most challenging things about entrepreneurship is being present-minded and future-minded at the same time. Because it's like, I need to be present with where I am so I can honor the season that I'm in, but I'm also future-minded and thinking about how can I continue to grow and make more impact. So find that balance of like, I'm grateful for where God has me right now. And I want to honor that. And also what is the work that I need to be doing to prepare to get to the next level? Because I know I'm not supposed to stay here forever. Yes, yes, I love that. And as you evolve, I think one of the things that I see online is that it there seems to be a call to be a lot more visible, you know, or it seems that in order to make waves and for people to 
kind of trust you, which I understand, like they want to see your face. They want to know more about your life, kind of like they want to feel connected to you. And so what do you say to people or how did you first navigate? Let's talk about you and then we could like talk about advice for others. But how did you navigate like having to show up online and put yourself out there? Um, were you always comfortable doing that? And is this something that you feel like most people, if they're building a brand and trying to get to that six figure and a beyond level have to do? Oh, that is such a good question. Um, when I've, I've been pretty comfortable with my visibility online. Um, I do wish that when I was younger, I had the level of maturity to understand the magnitude of posting every single thing online. Mm. Um, so, you know, I'm 17 years old with a MySpace page, posting pictures, all of that, just thinking it's cool and not really understanding how the internet works or even the direction of where the internet was going to go. It's kind of like once it's posted online, it's likely going to be there forever. Um, but I had so much fun with the internet when I was younger. So it was just fun to post online consistently. So um, thankfully, you know, I've been naturally good at showing up online and building a brand, blogging, kind of allowing people to feel like they had a connection to me or allowing them to feel like they had a certain level of access to me. And as my brand continues to grow, it's interesting. I kind of like scale back a little bit more because I'm like, oh, I definitely <laughs> some more <laughs> privacy would be nice. Um, <laughs> so I scale back a little bit more in terms of people having to be public online. I I think that you can definitely be successful without having to consistently show your face Um you'll just have to find the right strategy. I think it's going to be a little bit more challenging. I think you can grow really rapidly if you start out as the face of your business and you create that instant connection with you and your followers. That's my opinion on that because then people feel like they know who they're buying from. Right, right. And it makes sense, right? And I think there's a way to do it where you still control what you put out there. But I just know that for me, it's something that I think about often now, especially I have like three small kids. And then just as I start to think about where I want to go um, with my business and how much more visible I want to get, I'm like, hmm, you know, like it's something I can I, I consider and think about a lot. And I know for you, one of the things I think I've seen you mention in other interviews is that you want to get to a place where you actually disappear from the Internet. Right. Um, and you're not the face of your brand. So can you talk more about those ambitions? Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, hearing you say like, okay, well, now that I have kids and stuff, how do I scale back? I think you won't always have to be the face of your brand. I think it's knowing how to humanize your brand with somebody being the face, right? Because even if like, you know, we think about Nike, there's really not one face to the brand, but this is why brands leverage influencers and models and celebrities because people still at the end of the day want to feel connected to people. And this is why storytelling with branding is so important. So if you know you're like, okay, I kind of want to phase out, then it's like, well, how do we still continue to humanize that brand? Um, for me, like one way we've been doing that with Built to Impact is we want to show more of the story of the coaches within the company. So I'm not just the only coach that people recognize from Built to Impact. Um, so, you know, th those are some of the things that we're playing around with now. But yeah, my ambition. And of course, it's kind of like, okay, well, what will God tell me to do? But I'm like, hey, God, let's get on the same page about me retiring from the internet because <laughs> it's been <laughs> cute. I've been on here for decades now and there's a part of me that is just kind of like I don't want to I don't want to play the game of like showing up online and having to just deal with algorithms and all of that 
Right, right. Well, as you were talking, I think we came up with a new um, acronym because usually we talk about FIRE here, financial independence, retire early. And I'm thinking we should do financial independence, retire from the Internet. So (laughs) F-I-R-T-I. I love it. <laughs> like literally, like if you financial independence, like you you have enough money and you can literally just disappear from the internet. Love that. Okay. <laughs> so Maya, like one of the things that, you know, I got to be honest, I got to be honest. So I'm calling myself, I'm calling myself out. I still have an issue with, I don't, I wouldn't want to say charging because I know like I have a lot of value. Like, and a lot of my work comes from brand partnerships now and, you know, podcast advertisements and all like the big kind of corporate stuff, which is great. But then there is a, a section or segment of my revenue that could actually like grow a lot more if I focus more on selling services or products to my audience, to listeners, to journeyers that I know will help them, right? I've always struggled. I feel like I've tried everything, you know, like I literally tried ebook. Um, I tried a membership. I've tried high ticket uh, group coaching programs. I've tried kind of like more like mid range group coaching one-on-one. And I almost, I almost don't like any of it <laughs> in a way. And I think it's because uh, it's not just like the, um, maybe the structure of the program and me not having enough support, like to help me kind of deliver it. It's more of the selling part, quite honestly. And it's almost like, I don't want to have to convince people to buy from me. Like literally, it's just like, this is like, here's like all the things that this can help you do. Here's the the thing, just buy it. Right. And I just feel like sometimes it's so much like that you have to do to convince people, right? Like there's the webinars and the sales email sequences. And it just feels like that's too much work. And I know that in a way, like, I just want to show up and say, here's this thing. If you want it, buy it. If you don't, don't. But that doesn't really, for me, honestly, hasn't worked in the past when I just said it like that. So for people who are like, all right, I want to sell something. I have something of value to give, but I actually don't like the selling process. Um, I don't like all the work that it takes to have to almost convince people that this is something they should need. What do you say to that? Like, how do you get me out of that limited mindset about selling and the sales process? Mm, That is such a good question because I know a lot of people have that. It's funny because... I don't know. It's like we we almost feel entitled to people's money without giving them an explanation of what they're making the investment in. And so we're like, well, I don't want to have to convince you, which I do 100% understand. And I think it can feel like we're pulling teeth or like we're convincing people when we're not speaking to the right audience. And so when it comes to selling for me, two things that are really important is that Number one, I have to believe in what I am selling and I have to feel like I genuinely want to serve the right people. That is the very first thing. Then number two is I have to make sure that I'm in front of the people that I genuinely want to serve. The reason that I say that is because one, when we think about selling and we think about convincing and all of that, we're like, oh, I don't want to do the sales. I don't want to have to send out the sales emails. And I don't think about sales in terms of like, oh, crap, I have to go live or, oh, crap, I have to send out the sales email or, oh, crap, I have to whatever. I think about, man, this is another opportunity that I get to change somebody's life and business because I know how valuable my stuff is. If it is the right person, meaning that, you know, they fit my ideal client profile, but they're they're also the right person in terms of they're going to do the work. I know that their life and their business will be transformed. And so the right person is also seeking me out. This is not somebody that I have to convince. This is not somebody that the pull teeth. The only thing that I have to uh, prove, so to speak, is that I am the best fit for them. 
So my ideal client is already searching for the solution that I provide. My responsibility is positioning myself enough and promoting my offer enough so they believe that I am the best fit. And I'm willing to do that work because I want to make sure that my ideal client is getting the transformation that they are looking for. So again, it comes down to those two parts. One, do I believe in what I'm doing? Yes. And then two, am I doing the work to position the value in the transformation that I'm making and the price point that I'm selling at? Ooh, okay. I, you Honestly, that was really good. Because as you were talking, I'm like, yes, Jamila, there you go. There it is. Because I think I, honestly, it's just like, looking at things in from the wrong perspective, right? From the wrong lens of the work that I'm doing. Um, and like you say, and like almost like this is this is to help people, it's to, be, to give the impact that you're giving, right? And knowing that and me thinking back to the people who have taken some of the things that I've offered and how much they have said like, wow, like that was impactful. That changed my life. Like this is gonna help me and my family. And like remembering that, like that is the transformation for the person. And I'm literally just, if I don't basically tell people that this is available to them, then like there's someone waiting for what I have that's not getting it. So that actually really helped. So I hope, I hope that helped someone too that's listening. So that's step one, <laughs> maybe like step one and two. Okay, let's talk about pricing. Cause I think what I like about you is that you've gone from charging like lower price. You talked about, you know, your $50 charging for um, MySpace pages to now basically being able to package your offer in a way that is valuable to not only the person you're selling it to, but to you, like it makes it worth it for you to sell this thing that you're doing. How does one begin to think about their pricing? Because I think like when you're first starting out and there might be some people who's like, well, I've never sold this before. I've never done this. So I don't feel comfortable charging a high price. What do you say about that? Like, should they start at a lower price? How do they start to determine what that price actually is? Mm, that's a really good question. So, and I have to speak to specifically where my audience is by the time they come to me. So by the time people come to me, they are, they have about five to 20 years of experience. And I'm like, well, first of all, we're charging based off of experience, not based off of how new you are to the internet or how new you are to entrepreneurship. And I think what happens is people feel like they can't charge what they're worth or they can't charge the value that they provide because they're new to the internet or they don't have that many followers or they haven't built their list. And I'm like, well, you might be to, you might be new to entrepreneurship, but you're not new to your expertise. And just because you've been doing this for free, just because you've been doing this for somebody else's company, just because you have been doing this for cheap for friends and family, or you've been too afraid to charge, doesn't mean that you can't charge more for what your level of expertise is. Just because you're not getting paid like an expert doesn't mean that you're not an expert. And so I have people start there. Let's think about the years of experience that you have. Then let's think about how your experience can create a transformation for somebody. So I, when I teach high ticket, I say the main categories that people are going to help create a transformation is um, health, wealth, and finances. So you're either going to help somebody make more money or save money. Um, you're going to help somebody save time. You're going to help somebody with 
their physical health, their mental health, their spiritual health, or you're going to help somebody with their relationships, whether it's familial relationships, it's self-love. So it could be relationship with themselves or even the romantic relationships. Those are usually like the main categories. Um, There are some like outliers, but those are the main things. So you want to think about how can my expertise or my experience transform somebody's health, wealth, or relationships. And the value is, you know, subjective to whoever your ideal client is. And so there's two things you need to consider when it comes to value. What is the pain that my ideal client is dealing with? And what is the desire that they are longing for? Can my level of experience? Can my level of expertise eliminate this pain and produce a solution that will give them their desire? And the more you're able to get rid of the pain, the more valuable your offer is, the more valuable your level of expertise is. And so what I mean by that is when it comes to pain, you have to take a look at, can my service alleviate this pain or can it completely eliminate this pain? And so an example of that would be, let's say somebody comes to me, I am a hair loss expert, for example, and somebody comes to me and they're dealing with thinning hair for whatever reason. Maybe their hair is thinning because they uh, just had a baby. And I have two options. One option is I can or let me actually say three options. So one option is I have these really great wigs and they look really nice and it looks like your natural hair. So that is one option. The other option is I have some hair pills and hair growth oil and that should help you make your hair more thick. And then another option is, I don't even know the formal term for this, but it's like I do the, um, whatever that like procedure is where they like, take the healthy part of your hair. Yeah. Yeah. Transform like implanted or something. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. And those are the three options. Now, based on the level of pain that it's able to alleviate or eliminate, the price point is going to be different. So the wigs are, you know, the wigs can be still expensive. Maybe the wigs are $500, $600 because they last a long time. And then the hair pills, they might not be super expensive, but the the client is gonna have to buy it over and over and over. So they're still gonna be paying hundreds of dollars over time. And then the hair transplant procedure is going to be thousands of dollars because I'm creating a permanent solution for you. And so that's what I mean when value has to do with alleviating or eliminating the pain point and then giving the client the ultimate desire. You're a client who is dealing with thinning hair Their ultimate desire isn't to have a nice wig. Their ultimate desire is that they have full and healthy hair that is coming out of their head. And so those are the things you want to think about when it comes to value and charging um, for your worth. All right. So Maya, one of the things that I think we talked about, obviously, is like you transitioning and making more money. And this is a personal finance podcast. So I do like talking about the money side of things. For you, how have you changed in the way that you spent and or manage your money as you began to make more money? Yeah, I think I've actually always been pretty good with money in terms of like saving, but it's just I'm learning so much more about money as I get older and like 
learning about money as an adult is interesting. So as I mentioned earlier, I was like, what? I have to give the IRS money? Like what's happening? (laughs) So learning about taxes, I did not do well in accounting when I was in college. So just really learning about how money works, how money can work for me. And it's also interesting. It's kind of like the more money that I make, the more I want to save. Cause I'm like, wait a minute. Like I want to make sure I can hold on to this. So it's not even that I'm like greedy with my money. I really actually like giving out a lot of my money. I like pouring my money into other people, into creatives, into black women. I like knowing that I'm building wealth for myself and finding different ways to put my money into avenues where wealth can be created for me. And I always used to just assume that in order to make money, I would have to do the work in order to make it, not really understanding how investing and interest worked. So I'm still learning a lot about money as I continue to make it, but it's been a, a learning experience for sure. Yeah. Well, it's, I'm, I'm curious, like, do you budget, like what your personal like way of managing money is? Do you budget and do you have like a financial advisor that helps you figure out what to do with your money? Mm-hmm. I do have somebody to help me figure out my money, which is like, how privileged is that? It's like, I have so much money. Please help me figure out how to use it. But (laughs) um, I do have somebody because I just want to make sure that I am being a good steward of my money. I can't say that I have a budget. I think, you know, years ago, I'll say like early on, like, honestly, instead of me thinking in terms of budget, I thought in terms of how do I make more money? Like, I'm not going to keep trying to save a nickel and dime myself, I'm going to make more money. So I had that thought process. And then I remember seeing somewhere like you can't save yourself to wealth, like you have to make more money. That's the only answer. So that's the answer I've been using for myself. And it's been working quite well for me. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Like, I definitely agree with the you can't save, save, like literally save yourself to wealth, meaning in a couple ways, like, there's but so little that you can cut back on, but your income is like limitless. And then the other side of it, like practically also just saving, like just putting your money in a savings account is not going to bring you wealth because you can't be inflation in a save a typical, a regular savings account. And so you have to invest that money as you start and you're helping, you know, other women and people make more money. I think they're probably realizing themselves like these next levels of dealing with wealth and how do they actually build it? Because having a million dollar business doesn't mean one, you bring home a million dollars personally. I always feel like I need to say that just for people who sometimes don't understand that yet. And then even if you are bringing home personally a couple hundred thousand dollars, because that's what you choose to pay yourself if you have such a thriving business, like spending it all without investing and growing it doesn't like bring you ultimate wealth. So I think that's like one of the things where I'd be curious, like how your audience, especially the people that you've helped as they started to make more money, what they've been challenged with in their own finances? Like, are they getting ahead? Are they paying off the debt? You know, like, is that something that you discuss with them? Oh my gosh, absolutely. Cause you know, that's my ultimate desire with Built to Impact is like, how do I help my clients build wealth as a result of leveraging their expertise to build a highly profitable brand? Like building a coaching business is extremely profitable. And like one of my clients, I send her a DM and I'm like, okay, well, what are you doing with your money? Right. Cause she's like, well, I'm just staring at all of this money in my Stripe account. She's done, I think almost a quarter a million in eight months. And I'm like, well, what are we doing with it? Like one, do you have an accountant? Two, are you investing? Three, what does your debt look like? If you have me as a coach, I'm going to be in your bank account because I want to make sure that you're not just making money and not building wealth because 
being able to build wealth is such a privilege. And it's like, you need to be able to, you know, take advantage of that opportunity. If you're making over six figures and it's highly profitable, how are you now building wealth so you can set yourself up? So you're, you don't feel like you have to constantly work. You shouldn't feel like you have to constantly be in your business to make money. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that you're doing that. And that's the focus. And I just think for a lot of people who are starting to make money for the first time, whether it's like you're the first in your family to earn six figures or first in your friend circle or just immediate circle, it's it's very important that hopefully you are um, using that money to fuel you further, not just in the moment kind of spending and almost hold, saving onto it too much where you don't do anything with it either. Right. So I, I love that. That's what you focus on. Last thing before we kind of get into more about where people can find you and more about your your impact weekend program is what's that thing you would tell someone like the Maya that started out who didn't know that this was like going to be possible for her? I'm assuming you didn't know you were going to have a million dollar business a few years ago, right? Did in 2016, but when I started, absolutely not. Like I, you didn't have no clue. Yeah. I used to look at income reports and I would be like, how are these people making so much money? Like, it's interesting because it's like, I understood that people could be millionaires, but I did not really grasp the breakdown of what that looked like. And so when I used to see income reports of people doing $30,000 a month, $40,000 a month, $120,000 a month, I'm like, but how though? But how can somebody explain this to me? And now that I'm living it, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. This is how you do it. (laughs) Okay. And so that is what I want. I know we but have so little time left, but I want us to bridge that gap for someone who is listening and saying to themselves, I want to be there. Like, I want to earn more. I have something that I can like offer the world. What would you tell them? And what's that like almost advice you tell yourself back then when it comes to making these like small changes and big leaps to get to where you are? Yeah, I would say to set a standard for yourself in terms of how much money you want to make and how much money you want to save. I think just starting there, like don't even get right now, likely isn't even the time for you to even get caught up in the whole like wealth mindset and all of that. I want you to think about how much you want to make and how much you want to save because those were my goals. I had clear revenue goals and I had clear savings goals. And I remember I used the Mint app to like really (laughs) to look up my money and So I had all of my accounts on there and I could see what my net worth was. That was my first understanding of what net worth was. And so I used to screenshot my account when I had a total of $10,000 amongst all of my accounts. I was like, oh my gosh, in case I never see this much money again, I'm going to screenshot this. And it felt so good knowing that $10,000 was my new basement, like $10,000 became my new broke. And so I want you to have a standard of what does broke really mean to you? Because you should not be at zero dollars at any point ever in the history of you making money, right? (laughs) So I want you to increase your standard of broke, right? So maybe right now $1,000 in your savings is really great for you. And then you increase it to 1,500, then you increase it to 3,000, keep increasing that but you're also going to need to think about how much money you want to make. And so when I went full-time freelancing, one question that I had to ask myself was, what is the minimum amount of money I want to make per client, right? Because I went from a la carte to packages. So I went from making $55 per client to making $300 per client. And that continues to increase as my expertise uh, got better and my level of value got better. So those are some of the things that I want you to 
think about in terms of growing your money, because once you see your money grow, everything becomes more possible. At one point, I did not think having $10,000 saved was possible until I raised my standard and hit it. And then once you hit it, keep raising and increasing that level of possibility. Love, love, love that. Okay, so Maya, please tell everyone more about where they can find you, more about Impact Weekend, what it is, who it's for, and then if they're interested, where they can get tickets. Yes, so Impact Weekend is my three-day live event. I'm so excited for this um, because right now our coaching programs are shut down for the rest of the year. Our goal is to get people to Impact Weekend um, because it's such a life-changing event it's definitely going to shift your business. So Impact Weekend is my three-day live event. And this is where I help you get super crystal clear on your message. I help you really dive deep into your expertise. I teach you how to articulate your value, raise your prices and create high-end offers so you can attract quality clients. This is the best thing that I have ever created. So if you have the opportunity, make sure that you are in the room. It's February 4th through 6th, 2022 in Atlanta, Georgia. We do it once a year. And leading up to the event, we are connected through our attendee Facebook group where you'll get access to live masterclasses for me and access to some of my online courses, which will help you build your brand. So I hope to see you in the room. If you're interested in learning more, you can sign up at impactweekendlive.com. And as a special treat to the listeners, if you use the code journey at checkout, you will get 20% off of your ticket. Wowzers. Thank you, Maya. And where can they follow you online? Your Instagram, Twitter, all that. Yes. So you can follow me everywhere online at Maya Elias, that's M-A-Y-A-E-L-I-O-U-S. And it's Maya Elias and not Myalicious. <laughs> yes, I was about to say, not Myalicious, guys. Maya Elias, love that. Thank you, Maya, for this. This was great. Thank you. Jamila, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it so much. All right, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Maya and you got inspired to do something with the talents and gifts that you're sitting on right now. Chances are you're most likely an expertise in something. And if you're looking to make money on the side and or transition from maybe what you're doing now to something different, perfect opportunity to learn more. And if you wanted to learn more about the Impact Weekend Live event that she has and you want to attend, you can go to Impact Weekend Live. Dot com, enter the code journey, all lowercase, and you can get 20% off the ticket if you attend. Don't forget, you can get the episode show notes for this episode by going to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this. And you can still grab your jumpstart guide for free to help you on your journey to financial freedom by going to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. If you want to support me and the podcast and love the free content and information that you get here, here are four ways that you can support me and the show. One, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, that purple app on your phone, your Android device, YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is that you happen to listen, just subscribe so you are not missing an episode. And if you're happening to listen to this in Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe there. I appreciate and read every single review. Number two, follow me on my social media accounts. I'm at Journey to Launch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I love, love, love interacting with journeyers there. 
three, support and check out the sponsors of this show if you hear something that interests you. Sponsors are the main ways we keep the podcast lights on here, so show them some love for supporting your girl. Four, and last but not least, share this episode, this podcast with a friend or family member or coworker so that we can spread the message of Journey to Launch. All right, that's it. Until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. 